When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Judd Zolgad. Whose butt did you kiss to get in here? Well, the list is long but distinguished. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It's hour number three of this four-hour journey. It's the 9 to 1 show. 9 to 1, tons of fun. Mackey and Judd, but those guys are on vacation. Back tomorrow, in today, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Chris Long. We're from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. Wolf slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor will join in just a second. Dave Harrigan producing and technically directing, doing a great job as always, is on hold. Dave has to hate when... Glenn's a busy guy. Dave has to hate when there's pinch hitters in here. (laughs) No, I think you kick your feet up. It's like when... he doesn't, but he doesn't. Think of when when Sooch is on vacation and Rookie's still here. With all due respect to Rook, (laughs) you just kick your feet up, right? But Dave doesn't, is my point. Yeah, well, I mean, yes. He's a grinder, right? Once a grinder, always a grinder. But yes... He well, could. think about it, though. Think about all the non-hot takes he has to listen to. <laughs> right? I mean, he's so programmed. I mean, you never know what the heck Judd's going to say, you know, whether it's finger on the dumb button, whatever it is. You never know what the heck's going to come out of Judd's mouth. That's we're why, a little bit more predictable. That's why you listen. Yes. Here. Dave's got an update on Glenn Taylor's status. Glenn running a little late in the meeting should be uh, just a couple minutes, and he'll give us a call back. I wonder if it's a trade meeting. Are they about to trade for Eric Bledsoe? Jared mm. Dudley? Jalil Okafer. Or is it a meeting for one of his other 19 businesses? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no chance it's a trade meeting, I can tell you that. Right. But yes, figured we'll just play along for a couple seconds. All right, on the Wolves, Chris, yeah. we began the show with them, but I'm telling you, I mean, heck, the audience is ever-changing. A lot of people didn't listen to the 9 a.m. hour. You think about the run they're on. I've got the notes right here. It's their first five-game winning streak since 09. It's the first time they are four games over 500. The overall record is 7-3. and three. It's the first time they are four games over 500 since 07. Which was when Kevin Garnett was 25 years old, I believe. I saw someone tweet. Ooh. Yeah, he would have been yeah. on that team. Who was on that team? Trenton Hassel, Ricky Davis, Mike James. That was right before KG got traded, right? Yeah. Uh, so he was older than that then. I saw somebody tweet something. This is the first time blank since KG's 25-year-old year. Remember how weird that year was? Oh, I forget. He started when he was so young, maybe. Yeah, so seven yeah. years in. When did he get drafted? When he was 18 Not, or 19. No, I know age, but what year? 90. Well, you know what? Our next guest will remember. Wolf slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor, nice enough to join us. Why Hello, Glenn. Good morning. I'm getting old. <laughs> well, are you talking about Glenn now? Well, no. we're all getting old, Glenn. But <laughs> no, no we, were, about me. we were reminiscing, Glenn, about the last time your team was four games over 500. That was before I was born. No, come on, get me out of this. <laughs> but 2007, how much do you remember about that team with, I guess it would have been who, KG, Ricky Davis? Well, I, me- I remember a lot about it because that was just a really important part of our history. I mean, we had some, 
We have some great guys on our team. Yeah, I mean, heck, Mark Blunt. Yep. It was right after. No, was it? It was right before you traded KG, but you would have yeah. had Trenton Hassel who was a good player. Yeah. That was a good roster. Heck, Dwayne Casey was a good coach for you that year. He was. You know, and then you guys made the move at 20 and 20. Dwayne got let go. Thankfully, Dwayne is is having success in Toronto. But it is a it is a fun time right now, Glenn. How much are you enjoying this success early on? Oh, I'm enjoying it very much. I mean, it's... Um... It's something that uh, we've strived for for a number of years and, and have uh, sort of like using a football thing. We, we fumbled the ball a, a number of times, and, and it just has hurt our our um, total experience. And then all of a sudden we're starting off this year, instead of losing the, the, the close games like we did last year, we're starting off uh, winning the close games. And now it seems like we're, you know, getting into our own, and they don't all have to be close games. We can We are the better team. And we have to play like it, and, and the results have to show that we can win by 10 points or 12 points rather than one or two. Before we get too far into the X's and O's and the success on the court, Glenn, I want to get the question asked. What's been the response to the changes you guys have made at Target Center? I know just even just driving by, people have noticed, well, wow, it looks completely different. I know the first time I walked in and saw everything, it's, it's amazing how much was able to be done in such a short period of time. I think what uh, I hear from just about everybody, they're surprised that that much uh, could change in a building that's been around for a long time. Uh, uh, everybody comments it's so nice, but I think it, uh, when they go, went in there and looked at it, they didn't anticipate how nice it looks and the feel of it. And it's, it's actually, it feels like a new building. Yeah, I mean, the concourses are are wide open. There's a flow. You know, if you're yeah. just going as a fan, I mean... Heck, just everything about it, Glenn, is is A+. And I felt the same thing. I've had, you know, several tours as they were remodeling it, but uh, I had an, another one when they um, were just about going to complete it. And, and you're right. I mean, for some reason or another, it just seems like it's brighter, wider, uh, more open. And then, you know, the, the the arena itself, the seats and everything are just very comfortable, and and you just feel great being there. What's the biggest change on the court? Now, obviously, the, the faces have changed. And what is the biggest, from your standpoint, difference in the mannerisms and the characterization of this year's team compared to, as let's just compare it to last year's team? Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm exactly right. But to, to answer your question, I think the big difference is last year when we got down, we had a lot of close games. We played well. But I think when we got into, let's just call it the last three minutes of the game, I just think our uh, young guys lost confidence in themselves. And what I see this year is uh, that somehow when we get uh, down to that last three minutes, we have confidence that we can win. Now, I know you know some of that is Crawford and, and, and Jimmy uh, you know, uh, being out there on the floor, and, and they do that. But I think it extends to uh, also – uh, Towns and Wiggins, you know, and, and of course, uh, um, and I think all the players, that somehow they just have confidence that we're going to win this. And I think you can, as you watch the players and look at their faces, I think it, uh, I see that expression. Glenn, how much of a delight is Jimmy? I mean, I'm looking at us- usage rate. He's fifth. I mean, he is deferring a lot now. You know, at the end of whether it was the Miami game or you name the game, you know, he'll take the ball, he'll want the ball, he'll take the big shot. But he's deferring a ton to your younger guys. I wasn't expecting that. He's just uh, a, a, 
a complete wonderful person. I mean, uh, I knew he was a great athlete, and you know, I've watched him and stuff like that. But obviously, I hadn't talked to him before, didn't know him. The coach shared a lot with me and said, no, this is the way you're going to find that he will be, Glenn, once you meet him. But I think to all of us fans, we see that out there, that he he himself probably could score more, he could do more. And at this point of the of the season, he's trying to build confidence uh, in the young guys, and he's just, um, you know, uh, passing off sometimes when he doesn't need need to. My guess as the season goes along, uh, as they get them established, if he feels he's the best guy to win the game, that he'll do that. I just think he's a winner, and and he won't um, he won't take the chance of losing. Do you need that guy in that locker room with a coach? And I, and this is going to sound negative, and I don't mean it that way. A coach that that is like Tom Thibodeau, who who can push hard and can really build a, a pressure cooker in a player's own mind. How important is it to have that Jimmy Butler there to sort of serve as that at that release valve that can sort of help? Def- I don't want to say get players ignoring the coach, but just to sort of be that release in the locker room with the way he carries himself. What I would share with you is that um, that uh, tips say that that's helpful for him, but also um, my other coaches, uh, Rick, you know, and. Uh, that each of the coaches that I have had have also said how important that has been. So I just really believe that even though they're great coaches and uh, and um, can lead the team, that they all want that support of a veteran player in that locker room. There's just something like it's a different voice coming from a different direction that the young guys hear. So uh, I'm not just leaving it up to Tibbs, but I'm just saying the other mm-hmm. uh uh, great coaches that I've had uh, have said the same thing. Glenn, you briefly touched on Jamal. How about the bench as a whole? When's yeah. the last time you guys had a really good bench, a bench as good as this one? It's five deep. <laughs> well, let's just say a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I mean, Bielitsa, I guess it's the motivation of being in a contract year. Whatever it is, Bielitsa doesn't miss. You've got Crawford, the way Tyus Jones is playing right now. Had Gorgie Jang had a good game last night. He'll eventually figure out his new role, Shabazz Muhammad, will play better than he has. You think about your bench, Glenn, it goes five, six deep. And this is really important because when I look at a lot of the teams that we're going to play, that we're going to be competitive to a playoff position, um, one of the areas I see that we perhaps might be stronger is the bench than some of these teams. And we got to take advantage of that um, You know, 15 minutes or, or 18 minutes while they're in the game to not only hold it, but to pull ahead. I think, you know, last year and the couple of years before that, we just kind of said, well, just so we don't lose too much <laughs> while the, the, the subs are in there. But I don't think this year we want to play even. I think it's really important that, as we've seen in um, probably uh, two of the last four games, that the bench has come in and actually showed more energy than the starters and really got the the game turned around, and then when the starters came back in, they just carried that through. So I think that's what you should expect of your bench, and I think we have the guys to do it, and we look forward, you know, that they'll do it in the future. One guy that will eventually be added to your bench is rookie Justin Patton. How is Patton doing? Well, it's just a long process. I mean, uh, you know, he got hurt within an hour after we signed him. And you see this young man, and he seems like a terrific young man, but I want to see him out there. I just think, personally, I think it would be important that he, uh, the doctors give him the okay to get out there and, and play. And then we send him down to the G League, and he shows down there 
you know, how good he can be, but he also gets himself in shape. I mean, I, I've I've just seen this over the years. Guys say they're in shape, you know, and they think they are from just practicing by themselves. But until you get out in the court and run up and down and chasing the guys, I don't think you find out what shape you're in. So I would, you know, love to get him down there, love to have him show his talents down there and then bring him back and gradually incorporate him, you know, into the game. Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor on with me, Chris Long, and Darren Wilson filling in for Mackie and Judd here this morning. Glenn, just as last year when there was a sense that something was building, you didn't want to focus too hard on the standings. Uh, It was about the process, which we hear a lot in sports. But are you taking that stance now when you break open the newspaper and you look at the standings and your guys are second in the West? I mean, it's 10 games in. It's not a small sample size, but do you have to have a little reserve and not get too excited? Or do you kind of look at that and say, here we go? Well, I think just my nature is to be a little reserved because a lot of things can happen. I mean, we've we uh, we've been fortunate enough, other than uh, Jimmy being sick two games, which probably hurt us, but uh, we haven't had the injuries. Those things can happen so fast and change things so fast. So I think you've you've got to prepare yourself for that because every time one of our guys falls <laughs> falls or gets hit uh, fouled really hard you know i i remember ricky and i remember you know the different players that have got hurt in our team and how that has just changed it overnight so that part i keep but on the other hand i'm really positive that <clears throat> i'm looking at the next 10 games you know, just as we all do, and just say, is it possible in the next 10 games that we might be 7-3, uh, you know, uh, 7 wins and 3 losses in the next 10 games? I mean, I'm trying to have a positive attitude, and if we can do that, that'll keep us right up there at the top, you know, with some other uh, terrific teams. I-, I talked about Target Center earlier. You guys have won five of the six games you've played at home this year. I remember what it was like in that building, and Darren, you remember it too, when the team was at the peak when in, in, during Kevin Garnett's MVP year and during that run to the Western Conference Finals, are you starting to sense that it's going to take some time to get back to that point? That was an amazing building. That was an unbelievable environment when it built to a fever pitch. Are you sensing that, that you're at least inching, if not taking large strides toward making Target Center? Uh, you know, Again, I'm just looking at the record, 5-1, and one, and sure that's a product of some of who you've played, but it's starting to become a tough place to play again. Well, it, we've got to have that. I mean, you you have to start out by winning at your home, and you and part of it is the crowd behind you. I mean, we certainly saw that with the Lynx, as uh, you know, we grew the that fan base up there, and the, the noise and the level and the enthusiasm and stuff like that. That carries over to the players. So we have to win at home. That's that's the first thing. So if we can win at home, and then you you look at you know the the Eastern. Um, Teams that we we believe are probably not as strong as the Western teams. So we have to go on the road and win our share over there. And then we have to uh, look at the Western teams uh, on a way. And we have to be lucky in a few games, you know, like we were down at Oklahoma, where we play a terrific team, but but we play very well and, and we beat them. And that's how you get yourself, you know, high in the, the playoffs and, and, uh, you know, ideally, I know nobody's picking us to be in the top four, but ideally, uh, that's got to be our goal to have home court advantage. Glenn, is this about the time when trade dialogue picks up? And are you open to adding some long-term money? You know, just based on the success of the team early on here, if you can add, you know, a contract that maybe is an extra year or two, so it's more long-term money. Are you open to that? Well, we're open to everything that would make our team better. But I would say, in our particular situation, we 
we know that uh, uh, Towns is coming up for a renewal next year, and we know that Jimmy in, in, a, in a couple of years. So, I mean, it isn't just as simple of adding right now. We've got to look down the road in two or three years to keep this team together, and whatever decisions we make um, can't be just uh, for this year, but it's got to be that that we want to have a very good team that has a chance to win the championship. You know, and what we're talking about is when we signed uh, Wiggins to, you know, a five-year contract, and he's playing this year. So, you know, we're talking about six or ten years. We want to be very competitive. So we have to look at that also. Did you watch Lindsey Whalen with KG last week? I did. <laughs> I, I did just because I, uh, you know, it was advertised that uh, she was going to be there. Of course, she's one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, uh, basketball players. And so we made a point, Becky and I made a point of uh, tuning in, and it was fun to watch. Uh, them all together and see KG and, and his uh, his uh, special humor that he has, and then uh, the women whom you know we all know because we watched that, and it was just mm-hmm. a fun event to watch. Are we moving closer to having KG's jersey up in the rafters? I, I you know, for our part, we have invited um, KG uh, to do that uh, numerous times. So I think it's just uh, waiting for KG to feel when he's comfortable of doing that for whatever reason. Uh, he's, you know, been a little bit silent on that issue, but I, you know, I'm sure it'll happen, but it's just, uh, we're not pushing, but we're sure have told them that the door is wide open and we look forward to that time. And the China trip, a success. Did you get some business over there too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> well, I did. You're right. It wasn't all basketball, but, uh, for me, it was uh, mostly business. We had an NBA, um, board meeting, uh, China board meeting and stuff like that met with our Chinese partners. Then I also spent some time with my uh, partner in uh, owning the Timberwolves and spent with him and his family. And and then we did some other business uh, things too. So uh, it was fun to watch the team. Uh, I used uh, that time to um, uh, talk to the whole team on kind of a team event and stuff like that and, and spend a little time with each individual player. So I thought it was a very productive uh, time and very enjoyable. And, my, and I, you know, most of my partners in the Timberwolves went on the trip, too. So that was, you know, fun just to share uh, a fun time with them. Glenn, always appreciate your time. Wednesday should be fun. You guys at the Golden State Warriors. Well, we, uh, we, sh- we played them over in China, and we did beat them in one game over there. But I, <clears throat> I know that in their home court, it's going to be t- a lot tougher. But uh, it isn't like uh, I'm just going to concede uh, that they're going to beat us. I, I just think that uh, if we have uh, a terrific game, that we can match up with them pretty good. But it's going to probably be a high-scoring game. Thank you, Glenn. We'll see you at the arena soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Taylor. That's the voice of Wolves slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. When we come back, let's react to some of the things that Glenn said, including KG. It's time, right? Sounds like it's on KG. It's time to retire the jersey. Kind of rolled a little grenade in there late in that interview, didn't you? Well, I mean, I figured. Sure. I brought up KG, Lindsey Whale, and it was the obvious, at least in my mind, you know, follow-up. So, yeah, we'll we'll revisit some of the things that Glenn said when we come back. It's Doogie. It's Chris Long. It's 1500 ESPN. Let's get back. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back. Doogie, Chris Long. We just had Wolf slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor on. What was your headline from all the things that Glenn told us? Christopher. Sorry, I just, uh, my bad. I was distracted there. Um, By one of your two cell phones. That's right. That was the important one, too. The flipper. When I get it on the flipper, that's By the way, that's the hotline. The guy sitting behind me at Mariucci on Friday night? Had a flip phone? Had a flip phone. God bless him. Because he was asking me, he was telling his son, or who was with him, a younger gentleman, 
He goes, you know, this guy does a podcast. You need to subscribe to the podcast. I said, oh, well, do you have an iPhone? I'll pull it up for you. Sure don't. And he pulls it out of his pocket yeah. his flip phone. I'm telling you. My, all right, so I haven't done anything with my smartphone. I won't sell a brand out all day today. I'm at 41%. I haven't done a thing with this. That's not true. I checked traffic on my way in. And what about those videos you were watching early this morning? Pl- I had it plugged in since. Oh, okay. Uh, flip phone, I haven't plugged it in in three days, and I still have two bars mm-hmm. of battery. Anyway. Uh, thing that struck me the most. Um, the KG conversation was interesting. I was a little... <laughs> I made a face when you asked that question. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that dispelled at least some of what I believed, I was going to say we, but what I believed um, was going on with, with the Garnett conversation. I mean, he has to be in the rafters. He will be in the rafters. Um, I don't know that he'll ever have a role with the team again, which kind of speaks to how strange and awkward and, and, and almost unimaginable the breakup was between the team and their only true superstar player they've ever had. Um, but it was interesting to hear... Glenn say, I, I take him at face value. We're open. I would. We're, yeah. Glenn is right or wrong. He's incredibly honest. If, That's if, why I like having him on. If, if not the answer that he gave us, which was to say, we're open to it and we've made those. Over-. He would just say, I think that's, I'm sure, a conversation we're going to have down the road. If there was some sort of withholding on the Timberwolves side. So I, that was interesting because there are still, I have a million questions that I'd love honest answers from the team. Garnett, some of the players that were there for that second return, what what really went on there and, and, and the dynamic there, it's, it's kind of fascinating. I mean, it's, you know, the old adage is you can't, you can't ever go home again. Uh, Garnett is certainly a, a, a firm exhibit to support that, that it just, I think, outwardly just did not work. In case you missed it, Glenn said, hey, KG's got the invite. If he wants to have the Jersey retirement ceremony next week, you know, I'm paraphrasing that a little bit, but... He pretty much said, hey, whenever KG is ready, we've extended the invitation. You know, he said, hey, KG hasn't gotten back to mm-hmm. us. You know, so the Wolves would like to do something with KG. From KG's standpoint, Flip makes the deal, gives up Thaddeus Young, brings back KG. Remember, there was bad blood when the Wolves traded KG to the Celtics. Glenn saying some things about tanking what was taking place at the end of that regular season before the trade. You know, what Glenn thought was taking place, worked KG out, looking at it differently. Worked out okay for Garnett. It did, <laughs> but there was, from sure. KG's standpoint, sure. there was some bad blood there. Right. Back in, when was that? I guess 07, right? All right. Yeah. So those fences were mended because of Flip. Flip gives up Thaddeus Young, brings back KG. Remember that game against Washington? Standing room only yeah, target a lot, center. A lot of people rolled the building their, was electric. A lot of people rolled their eyes at the move, but you weren't, you were stagnant at the time, and that was a boost. Correct. It's impossible, really, from our standpoint, to quantify his behind-the-scenes impact. And that's the catch. On the youth, what sort of impact did he have? On the court, there was just about zero impact. Right. He didn't even play the second year of his two-year deal. The Wolves paid him millions. <laughs> well, didn't play down the stretch in the first year To either. go away, yeah, and he didn't play much the first year. The, the quantification is, I'd like to get true serum into Carl Anthony Towns, who's way too smart to answer the question. What impact did Kevin Garnett have on you in that half of a season that he was there were there things said from a leadership standpoint from a winner winning mentality standpoint that are now ingrained maybe in Carl Anthony Towns and I don't know that it would he's the only one I think that it would rub off on was that worth it and I guess the answer is even if it's marginal 
if it's something, if it's an ounce, then it was still worth it because the team wasn't going anywhere that year anyway. I mean, it was worth it because Thaddeus Young had yeah. no long-term future yeah. here. What about the stuff that Flip verbally promised KG? That Glenn had to be a part of, but how much was Glenn a part of that? How much was that just Flip? That's who Flip was. Saying, KG, you know, play a year or two. You know, we'll get you a nice contract. Then you're going to be here as a consultant. Heck, you're going to be able to buy 2 or 3%. You're going to become a limited partner. You will be one of the Wolves' owners. Those were some of the things that Flip told KG. Then Flip sadly passes away. None of us foresaw that happening. And everything changed. Everything changed. So do you get it from KG's perspective that when the Wolves say, hey, you know, we still like to embrace you. We want to retire your number. That KG is still pissed off based on everything that was promised to him that hasn't come to fruition. Well, and you're seeing it. You mentioned it again off microphone. He's doing those things now with other teams. Milwaukee, which, the Clippers. Which he's he has, a consultant. He's doing on-the-court work with those two teams. And he has no ties definitely to Milwaukee. No, he's uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. He, well, has, a, he has a house in L.A. And he's has, got some ties. Him and Jason Kidd have a history. Well, sure, but... Heck, Milton Newton is in the Bucks front office, Matt Bolero. He's got some ties uh, to Milwaukee. Okay, all right, so more than I would with think. With the Clippers, Doc. I mean, Doc yeah, is the obvious yeah. one. More with LA, I would think that, but but that seems odd that that was the position he was. I don't want to say being groomed for, but seemed poised for. I mean, it just it seems too obvious, right? That KG should be helping out him and Tibbs. I'm told have a a good relationship, a I mean, working relationship, a professional relationship. They were together in Boston, so Tibbs knows KG. Don't you think in some form or fashion, KG should be helping out these guys? Especially when Carl Anthony Towns is the future of the Especially franchise. last year, right? Maybe not as much this year, but last year. Yeah, last year there wasn't a stabilizing force. And this year you have four of them, mm-hmm. not counting the head coach. Five. Um, it's it's strange. It, it is... You couldn't have seen this coming. Well, you could, and then you couldn't, and then you couldn't, and then you couldn't. The way it turned out, and, and I think it was... Uh, again, interesting to hear Glenn Taylor say, "Yeah, we're we're open to welcoming back in." I think he gets in the rafters, and then who knows? Um, for uh, you would know better than I would. I assume he still is headquartered here. He still lives out in the West Metro, and he's got the house. He's got some here employees and, here in town. He's so, got some real estate holdings. But no, KG spends most of his. He time is out west now. Out west. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered if that's the olive branch that sort of brings him back into the fold, or is it just it was great while it lasted? <laughs> Let's be friends. It's not you. It's me, and. You move on. I mean, how much do you move on, though? I mean, to me, time pretty much heals all wounds. You'd think. So I think Glenn's right. It might be three years from now, seven years from now, but at some point. Well, look. And heck, his number is unofficially retired. Yeah, look, there was. Stupid- but at some point, the, the jersey will be hanging in the rafters. There were people in Green Bay that didn't think they'd retire Brett Favre's mm-hmm. number. Indeed, come on. <laughs> It'll happen. It just It's yeah. a matter of when, not if. But it is interesting. In many ways, it's fascinating. That KG and the Wolves have zero relationship at this moment. And I, you never could have predicted that. Like I said, the first run, and then it went south, and he went, yep, and then it came back, and now it's very, it's a weird, very weird soap opera, and if you could get all parties to be honest, it would be an article worth reading. I'll right. also say this on, I asked him the trade question. He's right. I mean, he's thinking long-term, an extension for Jimmy Butler in a couple of years, Carl Anthony Towns. I do think they'll be pretty aggressive at the trade deadline. They've already done some due diligence, I'm told, on Jared Dudley. I think they will add a shooter, a wing-type player. I think they'll add somebody. 
I don't think they're adding all sorts of long-term money, though. No, and they'll he, send out Cole Aldrich and bring in a little bit of money. Here's the million dollar. Here's the hundred million dollar question: Can the roster, basically with the core as it is now, contend for an NBA title in two years? Maybe three years. Does it have to be two or three? I'm just. I mean, all these guys should still be here in four. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy and Tibbs are tied at the hip. It's They'll normal, pay Jimmy. It's normally Towns isn't turning down the extension. Normally, the conversation you have in baseball, you know, buyers or sellers. I don't know that the Timberwolves need to go definitely trade assets, but spend a lot of money for this year. You do it in the next off season. You do it next year. And well, you, you won't have cap space yeah. next summer. You can make trades, but then. But you that's know, my point. Are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? How much do you need to increase? What's already? Do you need to build? You don't want to say we were. You don't ever want to stand pat. But can the team with the core right now, without any big slash major pieces, do you need any more help to be in position to win an NBA title in two, three, four years? The answer to that might be no. In that case, you do exactly what we said. You bunker up. You protect what you have. You you grow what you can grow. You got to keep Jimmy Butler. The answer is yes. Now maybe yeah. Patton. Turns out to be really good. I mean, you think about some of the rookies taken behind Patton, you know, from the Patton Purdue was, guy, Swanigan. Patton was good in college. Kuzma is a stud for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. The Nets gave away that pick. What mm-hmm. a pick by Rob Palenka with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about Collins, who went to the Hawks. Mm-hmm. What the pick after? Collins has been a stud for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but maybe Patton can be that type of guy. They still need a couple guys. Their defense has been mediocre so far. It's gotten better. They can't keep defending like they are. And be a top four seed in the West. I'll wanna, tell you that much. I don't want to get into an Andrew Wiggins rant here, but that's well, p- it's not just Wiggins. It's part Towns. of part of that problem. And yeah, Towns has changed his game from what we saw last year. Stuff you should know about Dave Harrigan. Very mad at us. It's normally a ten thirty no. staple. We had Thad Levine. How about this, we'll do stuff you should know about next. Is that okay, Dave? That's more than fine. Stuff, that was wonderful. Stuff loves getting bumped. Stuff stuff is the Matt Damon uh, Jimmy Kimmel of, <laughs> of M&J. Stuff you should know about is next. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Is this really as good as it gets? Because it's still not good enough. Mackey and Judd. Make us believe again. You don't owe it to yourselves. You owe it to us. On 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Dell. Need help finding the right Dell PCs with Intel Core processors for your business? Call 877-BY-DELL to talk to a Dell small business tech advisor. In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware of. There was stuff going on that no one talked about. That's pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I don't do that stuff no more. This stuff can give you brain damage. And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you should know about. I want to know. You ready, boys? Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> we don't need to be ready. You're the one who's got He's, the topics. You, we just need to react. This must be good. You're excited. Well, I was just trying to see if you guys were going to pay attention, and you're both just staring at your computer. No, no, no. And... Ken Youngblood is DMing me. On some of the KG stuff. Oh, wow. Ken Youngblood, Star Tribune. One of my favorites. Okay. So I was distracted. Well, I'm easily distracted. You know that. I'm getting hate mail from Gopher fans from two different sports. Oh, good for <laughs> you. Hockey and football now. Oh, can we do a trifecta? I'm a basketball. Rip, rip potato. Right. Come on. <laughs> Final four or bust. Let's start with this. It was my favorite news nugget of the NFL Sunday as Jay Glazer shared with us on the Fox pregame show about John Lynch 
GM of the 49ers and the trade discussions that got Garoppolo to the Bay. John Lynch, he's been trying to get Garoppolo since the offseason. He calls Bill Belichick and he says, hey, we'd like to trade for Garoppolo. And at the time, Belichick said, absolutely not. He's completely off limits. So Lynch calls back and actually asks Bill Belichick, all right, so if Garoppolo's off limits, would you trade us Tom Brady? And Belichick said, what did you just ask me? He said, I'm asking, would you trade us Tom Brady? He said, Garoppolo's off limits. He goes, did you just ask me if I trade Tom Brady? He said, yeah. He said, did you just ask if I trade the greatest quarterback of all time? And John said, so is that a no? I love that he took the shot. I mean, what's the worst that can possibly be said? No. You have no idea unless you well, take the shot, right? And I like that John Lynch clearly has a sense of humor, and that Bill, Bill Belichick clearly doesn't. We're not breaking any new ground there, but yeah, I, I like that. I like that, you know, you're never going to hear that story from Belichick's side ever. Mm-hmm. I'm a, and Glazer, you can take him or leave him, but it's, it's, he's got contacts. I bet. Just about verbatim is how the conversation sure. went. I mean, he's got a good relationship with John Lynch. Sure. From Lynch getting... told Glazer all that stuff. He's got it. Yeah, and that's, you know. But sure, I mean, we look, fantasy football is the closest we're ever going to get to anything like that. Yeah, you throw those trades out. Hey, how about uh, Brady for, uh, wait, what? And every now and then, some dummy hits accept. And so, why not? Sure. Hey, ended up getting them the guy he actually wanted. Correct. Yeah. Any chance Belichick's voice went up like an octave or two? Or do you think he just said... Uh, I don't think that's something we're going to What did you ask me? I don't don't think that's something we're going to be willing to explore. (laughs) Uh, Here's a quarterback with a terrible metaphor. Cam Newton, when answering a question yesterday about Devin Funches stepping up in the wake of Kelvin Benjamin being traded away. Yeah, we just lost a great player. But nevertheless, you know, the the, the, the Titanic still has to go. Wait, wait. Do you think he didn't know (laughs) history or didn't see the movie? Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just lost a great player, but nevertheless, you know, the 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 Titanic still has to go. It's been a rough year at the podium for one Cam Newton. Cam, <laughs> the Titanic sank Ugh. and went to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, is DiCaprio on Twitter? Oh DiCaprio my. should like tweet him something. Oh yes, he really I, should. I get sometimes you're in front of a hot microphone, and look, I've done it hundreds of times in front of this microphone. Yeah, I mean you've been guilty for the last two and a half hours. You sort of steer somewhere you didn't intend to go. Sure. To extend the Titanic metaphor, but somewhere in the deep recesses of your head <laughs> has to be the little person back there saying, "Yeah, no, 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 not Titanic. Grab, nope, grab nope. that one before it yeah, goes the to the other mouth. one. Um, uh, any other ship? Anything that moves other than the Titanic." <laughs> Oh. Yeah, he might want to not do press conferences. Well, he tried that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> That's why it's been a rough year. Yeah, it's an issue. Knucklehead. Uh, Tony Romo uh, back in Dallas yesterday. This is awesome. Cowboys and uh, Chiefs game. Marcus Peters, Chiefs defensive back. Should be a Viking. Horrible attempt at a tackle. Didn't have any interest in bringing down. It might have been Zeke Elliott. I'm not sure who it was. But uh, Tony said, uh, wow, that was so bad it makes Deion Sanders look good at tackling. Well, the Hall of Famer didn't exactly appreciate his name being brought into the conversation. Shocking. Hey, Tony, I, I tried my best to take the high road, but I don't, know, I don't know the address to the high road. So I got to come at you, man. You, 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 ten years as a starter, you're two and four. In the playoffs, you ain't won nothing. I tried to bury the hatchet. Both of us work for CBS. I went and shook your hand and say, Tony, you're doing a great job this year. I thought that would be it. 
But nevertheless, you keep on shooting at me. <laughs> Tony, what's going on, man? I got a gold jacket that I didn't buy. <laughs> Dak says hi. <laughs> <laughs> and bye. Good lines. I'll give credit where credit is due. Good mm-hmm. lines. And I'm biased. I have a personal past with Deion Sanders that I, he's from Fort Myers and I worked in Fort Myers and do I, tell. I haven't met, got arrested once uh, for fishing. No, no, Dion, for fishing in a pond that was on the grounds of the Fort Myers airport. Just took a boat out and dropped a line. And we all reported it, and he decided, that's it, I'm never talking to Fort Myers Media again. I wasn't there when that report happened, but that was when he decided, how many times do you see it? How many hometown guys come back here to play a game, and we go get, you know, uh, Zach Zenner, we got him when he was with the Lions, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing you do. Well, when that person is a Hall of Famer in a football-mad area, it's, you, anytime Dion's in town, let's go grab him. He's doing a charity tournament, whatever, let's go grab him. He can't put him on the air enough. Nope. You guys reported that I got arrested for fishing on an airport ground. Uh, nope. So anyway, I'm biased. He's one of the biggest jerks I've ever encountered. However, pretty good lines there in that shot at Rob. Mm-hmm. I didn't good buy this yellow jacket. Ugh. I'd like to know how bad the blood actually is. If what? they actually have some uh, distaste. It was trumped up there on NFL yeah. Network. Exactly. Look, I don't know. Well, He's not that bothered. Look, I'm sure Tony Romo, when he's a young quarterback trying to make that his team in Dallas... I'm sure at least once a year, Dion comes gallivanting into the locker room, training camp, what have you, and wants to hold court. And that becomes sort of a alpha male situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Dion do it in media rooms as a representative of NFL Network. I've seen him do it as a player. Um, we all saw him do it in a locker room with Tim McCarver way back in the day. That's just how he rolls. And I'm okay with Tony Romo not wanting to defer to him. And if you're going to take a shot at a bad tackler who is still a good player, Marcus Peters, still a very good player, mm-hmm. lousy tackler, mm-hmm. Deion Sanders would be one of the first two or three people that would pop into my head, regardless of whether I'd played with him or not. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it was impromptu, right? I mean, it wasn't scripted in Tony's mind. Hey, and, I, and Tony, I think... Here's he something it, I might bring up during the telecast. And he said it with a smirk. You could hear he was kind of, you know... So neither of those were full bad blood, but, you know... There's a little bit of truth and yeah, it just it came across as good natured ribbing, right? But there's uh, but like I, Tony th- would be the first to acknowledge Dion Hall of Famer, first ballot sure. Hall of Famer. Yeah, great at what he did. But you, correct, you played this because there's well, the old line a, is with every joke, there's a little bit of truth behind a, it, right? Mm-hmm. Little whiff. We all know Dion didn't exactly like to get his face in there. No, they're just fine. I yeah. still think there was probably a producer at NFL Network late last night saying, hey, Dion. Well, of course. Did you hear about this? Knowing that he's going to take Let's the Let's get game. you going on this. Mm-hmm. But, and they wrote the lines for him, and it was great. Or he wrote them last night. Conversely, there's a Twitter account, Instagram account, um, House of Highlights, I believe. Basketball highlights mostly. And they showed a shot of, of Boogie Cousins basically just standing on their basket getting dunked on. And somebody wrote on the comments, looks like Boogie made a business decision here. Yeah. Next comment. D Cousins 522. Damn right I did. <laughs> own it. Own it. If you're going to do it, own it. Absolutely. I love it. All right. When we come back, Chris, I need your help. We went at PJ Fleck in the first hour for kicking the field goal on yes. Saturday at the end. Made no sense. There was something Jim Harbaugh did that made no sense to me. Maybe you can explain it to me. Okay. Plus, I'll get your quick take on the wild. Then at noon, Mike Morris in studio. So, lots to get to before we're done at one. Mackie and-
and Judd now continue. We return on 1500 ESPN. Right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a $25 Fandango gift card. Thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota. That's where Mackie shops. That's where you should shop. Head to 1500ESPN.com and click on the stream player to find out how you can win. All right, Chris, in the first hour, we were both baffled by the Gophers' decision, P.J. Flex decision, to take the field goal at the end of Saturday's Again, game. I'm not losing sleep I'm over not, it. I'm not baffled by it. And I, I'm still I, on the P.J. Flex bandwagon, but it just it was baffling. I get the logic. I don't agree with it. It's I don't think baffling is a, not to pick your words. I understand exactly why he did it. I just don't agree with it. Well, why did he do it? Get, he bet the over? Get get, get points. Get points. Let's, let's. That did put the game over. It was 41 and a half. Maybe. Got the 43. Yeah, if he had the over, then that's an obvious reason. Get get points. I can't handle score last. We've been getting Tim Brewster. We've been getting punched in the face here all game long. Let's make sure we don't leave here with another failed drive down the field. Let's let's get some. That I think is the logic. I think in an honest moment he would tell you that was the logic. I just I don't. I don't think you're getting enough positive out of a field goal that you, to, to to risk the negative of not scoring a touchdown. All right, so we agree. Yes. Again, not losing sleep. Yeah. It just it didn't make a lot of sense. Right. How about Jim Harbaugh? End of the third quarter. Michigan scores a touchdown to go up. Oh, yeah. I guess went. it would have been, what, 33 to 7 yeah. at the time. He went Bielema. Jim Harbaugh went for two. What was that? I mean, I guess devil's advocate, the card would say. Don't give me the card 35. stuff. 35. I mean, I can't defend that. I can't defend that at all. I mean, that's. That's trying to run up the score, which I'm not against, by the way, at the collegiate level. I don't care. You want to run up the score? Run up the score. Especially you want to do something days. about it? Stop them. Well, Brian Kelly admitted. But just admit that you're trying to run up the score. Well, now, Michigan's not in the, the national championship conversation. Brian Kelly has admitted we have to blow people out because nobody's watching everybody's game, and we need to have a big number compared to a small number. Notre Dame destroyed Wake Forest over the weekend, but Wake Forest scored a couple garbage touchdowns against Notre Dame reserves that may drop them down a ranking. In, in yeah, tomorrow. I mean, the final score was, what, like 49-38? Yeah, it looks like... On paper, it looks like a decent game. It was not close. I watched that game. I admit Notre Dame bias, but that game was not close. Mm-hmm. Brian Kelly has said, that's going to hurt us. I'll take your word for it. He said, that's going to hurt us. Mm-hmm. People that didn't watch the game are going to go, oh, Wake was within 10 points in Notre Dame. No, they weren't. Now, different reason for... I think it's no secret that Harbaugh's... I'll, I'll say a jerk... I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. He's, he doesn't care what other people think of him. Um, What's that have to do with going for two, though, when you're up 33-7? to Because screw these guys, because that's why. We, we yeah. haven't run a two-point conversion in a couple weeks in live fire. Let's see if we can do one in case we need one next week. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that would be the public rationale, yeah. right? Yeah. It was our opportunity to practice a play, practice that situation. I don't think there's any bad blood because... I don't think so. I mean, P.J. Fleck was very, I don't want to say deferential, um, praised Jim Harbaugh for uh, the experience he had with him when they were both Michigan's coaches in the state yeah, of Michigan. Yeah, and the satellite camps and Always all that. had a good relationship with, with Michigan yeah, State. As far as I know, I don't think P.J.'s ever said anything bad about Michigan or Harbaugh. So I don't think it was a bleep you move at all. I just think Harbaugh, in his heart, is, is a bit of a jerk and didn't stop to think, yeah. Maybe we don't need to kick these guys while they're already down. Let's just go ahead and throw one more shot in here with the two-point conversion. We've got Mike Morrison's studio next hour, so we'll go heavy football. So quickly, we have not touched on the Wild All Show. Three and three homestand. Is that pretty much just who they are? I mean, now that we're through 12 games, are they stuck Boy. in, Are they stuck in for lack of a better way of putting it, middle purgatory? Uh, with the injuries, with the salary cap situation, say, if, they might be a playoff team. They might not. They're not going anywhere, though. If you take Granlund and, and Nino, who are back, 
but combine their injuries, plus Coyle, plus Parisi, I mean, you're missing three, three and a half of your best five offensive players. I mean, the problem has been goal scoring. Um, they blew up the other night. What they, they, I think they scored what, six. No, yeah, six. Yeah, against Montreal. I'm against Montreal, who's okay. They're they're not an elite team. How about but, Charlie Lingren? Yeah, first, North, first, shutout, State. first shutout. shut out the Blackhawks last um, night. I, I think that you can chalk it up to injuries, but yeah, you don't want to go three and three on a six game homestand because five hundred in the NHL, you're not in the playoffs. The way the points end up shaking down, you're, correct? You're, you're probably on the outside looking. Now, in, the so. beauty of that sport is find a way to get in. It doesn't matter if you're the seven seed see it every year or the eight seed. I mean, we see it in that sport more than any other, where upsets happen at least based on seeding. So just find a way to get in. Parisi should be back after the first of the year. Coyle will be back. I talked to Brent Flair the other day. Coyle ahead of schedule. So Coyle should be back before the month is over. So they'll be full strength by mid-January. Make a run at that point. Bruce Boudreaux would never give him team, his team the out, but injuries are the problem.